Well, good morning, everyone. It's so great to be with you here today. My name is Jordan, and I am one of the pastors here at Efree. Welcome to everybody here in the auditorium, to everybody over in the venue, and to anybody watching online. We're so glad you could all join us today. Well, those dedications were awesome. Like, both the dedications in the venue and the dedications over here were incredible. That I don't know about you, but I am encouraged. When I see that that's the future of the church, that's the future of what's coming, I am encouraged to know that we have families like this that are praying for their kids, families like this that are dedicating their kids. It gives me confidence about tomorrow, that things um, have been difficult at times, but I'm confident that God is going to build his church when I hear um, prayers like that and families that are dedicating their kids. So I am excited. So we are going to uh, pick up our series in the Gospel of John this morning. Now, what's important that you know is we're going to skip over a few verses, and then next week we're going to backtrack and we're going to cover those verses that we skipped over today. So if we, when we go to look at the verses, you're like, but you skipped my favorite verse, John 14, 6, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. You skipped it? Like, I've been waiting for weeks for this. Don't worry. Next week, we're going to come back, and we're going to cover those verses. So I hope that you come back next week for that. That's the preview. And now, as we talk about today's verses, I want to talk to you about YouTube cooking videos. So... One of the things the pandemic did to me was it created an interest in YouTube cooking videos, uh, specifically pizza videos. So I love making pizza, and I started watching these videos of these different guys making pizza in their ovens and all the different tricks and tips that they had. And what I learned was I was amazed at how better I was at cooking when I could see someone doing it instead of having to read the instructions. Uh, for one reason, when the instructions say, say the pizza dough needs to be sticky, but not too sticky, what does that mean? Like, what is it between sticky and not too sticky? Like, where are we at? But in the video, when you can see, okay, it needs to stick to your fingers, but not leave big globs of dough behind, I'm like, okay, that's what sticky but not too sticky means. When I can watch them shape and they show you the techniques instead of just make, like shape the dough, like, what does that mean? Like, to get my cookie cutter? What do I do? Like, it's so, much help, it's so much more helpful to be able to see someone doing something. But imagine, imagine if the YouTube person came to my house and they knocked on my door and they're like, hello, Jordan, today I'm going to help you to make the best pizza of your life. Like, this is amazing. You're the guy from the video. And he's like, well, first we're going to go to the store and we're going to pick out all the ingredients. And so they show me how to find the best bell peppers to dice and the best pepperoni to slice and the best flour to choose. And they come back and they show me all the techniques about what thickness does your pepperoni need to be in order to get the little cup. Like if it's too thick, it won't cup. And if it's too thin, it's going to burn. You don't want that. What's the right thickness? And what's the right cheese? And do you need to grate the cheese or you just buy the pre-shredded stuff? You need to grate it, just for the record. But anyway, <laughs> you can if you don't want to, but it's worth the effort. So they, they show me how to do all that, and then they go, okay, hold on. I tell you my recipe that it needs to be 450, but I can tell your oven is not hot enough. We're going to crank it up to 475. Like, I would not know that if you weren't here with me. Like, it'd be incredible if they came and showed me how to make pizza one time. Well, this morning, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that's amazing about the Holy Spirit is he comes to our life to train us and teach us how to follow God, but it's not for an afternoon. It's not for just one thing that it wants to grow in us, but it's for life. 
to be committed to us day after day after day to shape and mold us and teach us and instruct us and empower us and develop us to look like Jesus and to think like Jesus and to be able to reflect Jesus to the world around us. And so let me pray, and then we're going to dive into this passage where we're going to look at the Holy Spirit. Father God, I thank you for all my friends here in the auditorium, to those friends in the venue and those watching online. God, would you, would you use your Holy Spirit this morning? God, he is in so many lives in this room and around this place, and God, I pray that you would use him in a powerful way to teach us that Jesus tells us that he will remind us of what Jesus has taught us and that he will teach us new things. God, I pray he would teach us a new thing this morning. God, would you help me to be clear and concise and would you use your word in a powerful way this morning? Pray this all in your son's name. Amen. All right, so we're going to be in John 14, verses 15 through 31. So if you have your Bibles, you can open them to John 14. John's in the New Testament, so it's towards the back of your Bible. It goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So if you get to Matthew, Mark, Luke, go to the right, you'll find John. If you get to Acts, Romans, Corinthians, you're too far to the right, go to the left, you'll find John. John 14, verse 15 is where we're going to be. So while you are flipping there, I want to give you some context. So if you remember, we um, are talking with Jesus. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and this is his final, uh, his final conversation with them before he goes to the cross before he's going to be betrayed and, and uh, put on a trial. He's going to be falsely accused and falsely condemned, and then he is going to be executed. And so this is his final conversation with the disciples, and he has told them that I'm going to go someplace and you can't follow me. And for three years they've been following him everywhere he goes, that he's been instructing them, he's been encouraging them, he's been equipping them, he's been defending them from the Pharisees, he's even stopped storms with his voice, that he's done miracles, and now this man is saying, I am going to go someplace and you have to stay here. Now we know that he means I'm going to death, I'm going to heaven, I'm going to the presence with my father, and you can't follow me there right now. But they don't understand all of that, and so they just know he's leaving. So into all of that, he says this to them in verse 15. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord... Why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away and I am coming back to you. 
If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. So there's a lot going on in those verses. There's a number of things, and we can't talk about all the different things that are going on in there, but I want to point out three of the main themes that keep coming to the front in those verses. So the first theme is that if we love Jesus, we will obey Jesus. That he says, if you love me, keep my commands. He says, those who love me will follow me. Those who love me will obey me. Those who don't love me won't obey me. He even says, I love the Father, and I want people to know that I obey him. I do exactly what he commands me to do. So there is this um, connection between love and obedience. But really, that's all I get to talk about that theme for this morning. But the next few themes is what we're going to dive into today. So the second theme is Jesus promising the Holy Spirit to his followers, that he says that the Father, I'm going to go to the Father, and the Father's going to send another advocate. He's going to send somebody else to come into your life, somebody else who's going to come and to instruct you and teach you and guide you. They're going to send another person, the Holy Spirit, who's going to come and do all this for you. And we're going to dive into more of that in a second. But then the third theme is God's presence with his followers. That he says, I will come to you. My Father and I will come and make our home with you. That he says, I will be near to you. The Holy Spirit will be with you forever. That there's this uh, reoccurring theme of God's presence with the followers of Jesus. And so we're going to dive into those two. But let's start by looking at Jesus promising the Holy Spirit. So we back up to verse 15 where he says, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world, world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. So a really important word in there is forever. He says, I'm going to send another advocate So I've been an advocate for you these past three years, but I'm going to send another advocate, and he will be with you forever. That right now you're anxious and you're worried because I said I'm leaving, but I want you to know I'm sending another advocate who will be with you forever. He's going to be, he says, with you now because he's been part of what Jesus has been doing throughout his ministry. The Holy Spirit has been playing a role in all of this, so he's been with them, but he says he will be in you. Now, as Christ followers, when we put our trust and faith in Jesus, when we surrender to him, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives. But that didn't happen for the disciples because Jesus had not died, he had not been resurrected, and Pentecost hadn't happened where he sends the Holy Spirit into the lives of the believers. And so he says to them, he will be in their life. But for all of us, all of our faith occurred past Pentecost on the other side of this moment when the Holy Spirit comes into their lives. For each one of us, when we trust and believe, in that instant, the Holy Spirit enters into our lives. It begins to empower us and teach us and correct us and guide us. And so it's incredible that he can say to us that the Holy Spirit will be with you forever. So this is our first takeaway this morning. The first takeaway is that God's commitment to you is so everlasting that he sent the Holy Spirit to make a permanent home within you. 
His commitment to you is so everlasting, it is so enduring, it is forever that he sends his spirit into your life to make a permanent home. So in this room, my guess is that there is a number of people that wrestle with, is God going to be for me today and against me tomorrow? Is God going to be with me today and abandon me tomorrow? Can I count on God today but be unsure if he's going to be there for me tomorrow? And here in verse 16, Jesus makes it clear. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is forever. He is with us in this forever. He's committing to make a permanent home. It's not a temporary home. He's not renting. He bought forever. Now, I don't know what that looks like on into eternity. I know on this side of death, it's the Holy Spirit living inside of us. I don't know on the other side if that is um, us living in a relationship with the Spirit or if he continues to be united to us in some way, shape, or form. But I do know that it's forever. So think about this for a moment. How many, by show of hands, have ever heard of the phrase forever home? Forever home, few people, few people. So I hear that there's an HGTV show called The Property Brothers Forever Home. And the idea is that the Property Brothers are trying to find these people a home that they can have the rest of their life, whether they have to remodel it or they have to build it new or they have to fix it up or whatever it is. It's this home that you're saying, I'm committed to this place forever. It isn't a temporary home. It's I'm here until I die. Well, that mindset of I am committed to this until I'm done, that I am setting up shop here, I am moving, and I'm not renting, I'm not leasing, I'm committed, that's the attitude that God has towards you, that he sends his spirit into your life to be part of your life forever. So now what I want to do is I want to press pause on this passage I want to step to the side, and I want to talk about what, who the Holy Spirit is. Because so often, uh, we're very comfortable with God the Father, and we're very comfortable with Jesus, but then the Holy Spirit is kind of like this awkward or weird uncle that Jesus has, and we're like, I'm not really sure about him. Like, I'm cool with Jesus, I'm cool with the Father, like, I understand that family dynamic, but then there's this Holy Spirit guy, I just don't really know about him, and there's some people that can, can get strange with that, I just don't really know. So we'll just focus on Jesus and the Father. And what can happen is we just don't really know about the spirit that God spent into our life forever. And so what I want to do quickly is just give you a few different characteristics of the Holy Spirit and hammer those down so we can be very clear about who the Holy Spirit is. So the first thing is that the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. That he's not a lesser version of God. He's not not God. He is God. We see this in Matthew 28, 18 through 19. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So what we're seeing here is the Trinity. So God is triune. There are three persons in God. So there is one what, God, and three who's, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we see this revealed in verses like Matthew 28, 18 through 20, that we see that the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. Now, I wish I could give you a really good example of how the Trinity works, but God is unique. And so there's nothing that fully explains it, that there's all these um, 
attempts, but they always fall short. So I'm not even going to try to attempt it. But you just need to know that there are three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And together, they're all equally God. And so the Holy Spirit is God. The next characteristic you need to know is that the Holy Spirit, he teaches us to obey God. The Holy Spirit teaches us to obey God. That part of his role is teaching us to obey is instructing us, helping us, guide us so we understand what God is asking us and what God wants from us. And how do we do all that? So we see this in Romans 8, 5 through 6. It says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. And so Paul is talking to the Romans, and what he's saying is there's two different uh, types of minds. One type of mind is governed or taught by the flesh, and it leads towards destruction. But there is another type of mind that is governed or taught by the Spirit, and it learns how to follow the Spirit, and it learns how to do things the way God has commanded us and instructed us and wired the world to work. And as that happens, it leads us towards life and peace. And so we'll pick up this idea again in a second with the Holy Spirit teaching us. But we want to move on to the third characteristic, which is the Holy Spirit develops righteousness in us. So one of the things the Holy Spirit does, it develops righteousness inside of us. So we see this in Galatians 5, through 25. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So as we walk with God, as we walk with the Spirit, as we let it work inside of us, it develops this love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That it's part of his role, his role is to develop in us these things. Now, there are many other roles and many other actions that the Holy Spirit does for us that we don't have time to get into all those today. But the last thing that is so, so important, that is so crucial, is that you know that the Holy Spirit is a person, not a superpower. That he is a person, not a superpower. And I struggle with this. Like, I, I have been doing these slips where I've been calling him it. I said, the Holy Spirit, it does this or it does that. He's not an it. He is a person. So we see this in John 14, 16, and 17. It says, and I will ask the Father... And he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. That he is a person. And why this is so important is because as a person, he has his own will. He has his own desire that he is carrying out in, um, a, in congruence with the God the Father and God the Son's will for us, that he is working out those things. So the Holy Spirit is not a superpower I can control and will to do what I want, to turn on and off however I want to. Like you think about Superman, he has, ex he has laser vision, I think anyway, he has laser vision. So if he wants to melt a beam, he's like, he melts the beam and then he turns it off. And then he, when he doesn't want to melt something, he turns it off. And too often, I approach the Holy Spirit this way. That I'm in a time where I'm anxious and I want peace. And I go, the Holy Spirit gives me peace. So I'm like, give me peace. And then it doesn't give me peace. I'm like, why does the Holy Spirit not work? 
Or you're talking to someone that they think they have the Holy Spirit and they're walking in sin and you're going, Holy Spirit, you need to convict this person. Like, get him, convict him now, do it. And it doesn't seem like he does it. You're like, what in the world, Holy Spirit? Do you have a job? Why are you not doing it? Maybe it's just me. But this is how I feel sometimes. And the reason is because I think of him as a holy, I think of him as a superpower that I should be able to will and control to do what I want instead of a person who has his own will. And so there are times and places where I'm saying, would you give me peace? And he goes, not yet. You haven't learned all that you need to learn through this moment. Or I'm not going to give you supernatural peace. Instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to teach you how to find peace by going back to the gospel. Or I might want you to convict this person, but he's not ready yet to fully experience that conviction on a level that's going to lead to life change. So he has his own will, and he does what he wants when he wants, not when I want him to do it. All right, so now we're going to unpress pause on all of that, and we're going to go back to the passage. So verse 25 and 26. He said, this is Jesus talking. He says, all this I have spoken while still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. So I could have used this verse to talk about the Holy Spirit teaches us, but then we would get it. We're going unpausing and all that stuff, so I didn't do it then. But again, clearly it says the Holy Spirit, it teaches us that his role is to teach us, his role is to remind us of what Jesus has already taught us. And so we have this personal spiritual teacher that God has given to us. So this is our second takeaway this morning. God's love for you is so extravagant that he sent the Holy Spirit to be your personal spiritual teacher. That God's love for you, his commitment to you is so extravagant, so incredible, so amazing that he sends his spirit to come into our lives to be our personal spiritual teacher. Now you may be going, well, Jordan, extravagant seems like a pretty big word for what that is. Like a spiritual teacher, like it's nice, but like personal, that's nice, but this seems a big word. But think about it this way. So imagine that you had all the money in the world, so much money you can't count at all. But you want a personal spiritual teacher. You want someone who's going to come to your life, and they're going to guide you. They're going to teach you about the Bible. They're going to help you learn how to pray. They're going to do all these things for you. And so you decide, I can hire any pastor I want on the globe to become my spiritual personal teacher because I have all the money in the world. So I want to hire Tim Keller or John Piper or whoever. I'm going to go to him, and I'm going to say, a million dollars a year to come be my personal spiritual teacher. But you have to work every day. And what it is, you show up in my house before I get up, and you pray for me before I get up. And then when I wake up, you walk me through how to pray for that day. And then when I open the Bible, you look over my shoulder and you're going to tell me, I looked at your schedule for the day. You're going to need this verse. Like write that down, put an index card, put it in your pocket. You're going to need that one today. And then when you drive to work and the guy cuts you off and you say some things you probably shouldn't say and do some things you probably shouldn't do when you get to work and you put the car in park, he's going to say, how do you feel like that went? Could we have done some things differently? Let's pray right now and ask Jesus for help and ask Jesus for forgiveness in this moment. Then he goes to your office and you have a big corner office because you have all the money in the world and so you're doing a good job. And then you walk out to someone who's not doing a good job and you let them have it in their cubicle in front of everybody else and then you just like go to town on those people, on this person. So then you go back to your office and he's like, how do you think that went? Do you think you could have done some things differently? Let's go back. I'm going to walk you through how to say sorry to him, how to ask for forgiveness because of the things that you said and that you did. And then at the end of the day, you go home, and he's going to 
help you pray through your meal at dinner time. This is going to help you, when you put your kids to bed, pray through how to help your kids go to bed and do the prayer thing. And then he's going to pray for you before you go to bed, and then he's going to go home. And he's going to do that every day. Like, how many days before he's like, a million dollars is not enough money for this? Like, how many days? Where he's like, there is little improvement here. Like, we've been doing this for a year, and we're here. Like, all the money in the world... There's a point where each one was like, I'm done. Like, I can't do it anymore. I need a day off. I can't do it. But God, God sends his personal spirit into our lives to play that role day after day after day after day. On days that you want to give up, he encourages. On days you're overwhelmed, he brings peace. When you open your Bible and you go, I don't just know what's going on, he teaches. There are moments he brings forward words and verses, and you're like, okay, this is the verse for today. It's all about patience. And then you're sitting there in your car in a traffic jam, and you're like, what in the world? This is carny. There can't be traffic jams. And you're like, wait, there's that verse about peace. Like, this is incredible. Where did that come from? The Holy Spirit. God is a personal spiritual teacher. Like, this is extravagant that he would do this day after day, that he would not give up on us. Like, I know me, and I would give up on me. There hasn't been the amount of improvement that I, I've wanted in my own life, and yet he still continues to pour into us over and over and over and over. And he said, I'm here forever. I'm bought in. I'm committed. This is my permanent home. I'm going to teach you day after day. I am not going anywhere. That is incredible. Then the last point, I'm going to give you, our, I'm going to give you the last takeaway, and then I'm going to explain it. So God's care for you is so personal that he sent the Holy Spirit to comfort you. God's care for us is so personal that he sends his Holy, his Holy Spirit to come and to comfort us, to bring us peace and help. Like, this is amazing that he wouldn't give this job to somebody else. He wouldn't say, you know, I'm going to send an angel to do this. No, he goes, my personal spirit, I'm going to send him into your life to comfort you and help you. So we see this in John 14, 27. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. So I think there's a couple of pieces with this. I think one piece is the Holy Spirit, that Jesus just got done talking about how he's going to send another advocate who's going to help you and guide you and teach you and remind you, and then he goes on to talking about peace. Part of it is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has this incredible supernatural power to bring peace when we should not have peace that there have been moments in my life, not very many, but there have been a handful of moments in my life where I should not have had peace, and yet I had peace. And I'll tell you about one of those in just a little bit. But I think the second way that Jesus' peace is different than the world's peace is that Jesus' peace can handle the worst-case scenarios. Now, what I mean by that is so often, and I could be wrong, but I think that I'm right, is that the world's peace that they offer is to try and convince you that the worst case scenario is just not going to happen. So for instance, pretend that I came here this morning and I was like, you guys, I am really anxious. I am really nervous that I am gonna have a brain aneurysm today and my blood vessel is gonna burst and I'm just gonna die. Like, I'm nervous about this, this is a concern for me. The world's peace, which is a fair thing to say, like I don't wanna, I'm not trying to talk down on this, but I'm just saying this is where this fails, is the world peace says, well Jordan, like, you're a young guy, you seem like you're pretty healthy, like, that doesn't happen to very many people, it's just not going to happen to you. 
Like the peace that the world gives is so often to try and convince you that the worst case scenario that you're afraid of is just not going to happen. But the problem is that there are people who will wake up today that are going to die from a brain aneurysm. That most likely somewhere around the globe, someone is going to fall over, and when they do the autopsy, they're going to say, there's a blood vessel, blood vessel that ruptured. So here's Jesus, and his peace is better because his peace can handle the worst case scenario. So remember, Jesus is hours away from being falsely accused, from being wrongly and unfairly condemned, that during his trial, three times they will say, this man is innocent. Three times they'll say, there's nothing wrong with this guy. He's a man is innocent. We should let him go. Three times they'll say that, and then the result of the trial will be, we'll just crucify him. Like, you're going to talk about a terrible verdict. This guy is innocent. Crucify him. And this is what Jesus is going to happen to him, and then he's going to be beaten, mocked, tortured, and then he's going to bleed to death or suffocate on a cross. That is what's hours away from him, and here he can say, my peace I leave with you. And the reason is because his peace can handle the worst case scenario. We see this in verses 30 and 31. He says, I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. So here's Jesus who's looking at the worst case scenario and he says, the prince of this world, Satan is approaching and what it's gonna look like is he's winning, but he's not winning. He has no hold over me. There is nothing he can do to me. Everything that's about to happen to me is part of the Father's plan to bring about the rescue and the salvation and the redemption of millions, if not billions, of people who will trust and believe in me. So he says, though it looks like the worst case scenario is happening and it is in the case that I'm being crucified, God is bringing about something good in the middle of this terrible circumstance. And so Jesus can offer peace that the world can't give because he can look at the worst case scenario. He can say, even if you have a brain aneurysm and you collapse, God can bring something great out of this, something good out of this. Though it's painful, though it is hurts, though it's really difficult, though I wouldn't wish it on anybody, I can have confidence that God can do something good in the middle of all this. So this is my experience. I, again, I've had probably three or four times where I've had this supernatural peace, and one of them happened when my dad was sick. If you don't know, my dad died of a brain tumor, and two years before he died, two years, two months before he died, we received a phone call in the morning that he was having seizures, and they couldn't stop them, and they thought he was going to die, and so they said, you need to come to the hospital as quickly as you can. So we got up, we got dressed, we rushed to the hospital, we go into the ER, there's doctors, nurses, emergency staff standing around, and there's nothing they can do to stop the seizures. And I walk into this room and there's chaos, I had peace. Like, I couldn't explain it, that there wasn't this fear, there wasn't this worry, anxiety, it was just, it's going to be all right. And I feel like that was the Holy Spirit in that moment giving me this supernatural peace. And again, it's not happened very many times, there's been many times I've said, would you do that again? And the answer has been no. But in that moment, there was this supernatural peace. And I think it came from, there was this conviction that God was there. That there was this conviction that like amongst all these people standing around, that God was in the corner and it was gonna be okay. And it wasn't it was gonna be okay that my dad wasn't gonna die, but even if he did, it was gonna be okay because God loved my dad and God loved me and it was gonna be okay. And so the Holy Spirit, I just felt like he was talking to me saying, it's gonna be okay. 
Remember that God can use moments like this for good. Remember the cross where Jesus is dying on the cross and it seems like all had failed, that the the process and the mission had failed, but really all that was happening was that it was being completed through the life, death, and resurrection that was coming for Jesus. And so there are some times that the Holy Spirit brings supernatural comfort and supernatural help. But in my case, in my experience, the majority of the time, it comes by teaching. It comes by reminding me of the gospel, of what Jesus has done for me, of where my hope comes from, where my help comes from. It comes from God. It comes from knowing that he was willing to sacrifice his own son so that I could be brought in to the family of God. It reminds me that even in that dark moment, God was working something for good, that it wasn't the powers of the world that were succeeding, but instead it was God bringing about his plan for redemption, and this was what was necessary. In that moment, I've experienced comfort and peace and help. And so I am confident that the Holy Spirit comforts and His Holy Spirit helps. And sometimes it's not the way that we want. And sometimes it's teaching us. And what can happen for me is He's teaching me towards the right path. And then I decide to, like, well, what about this thing? I have to go back through the process again. But He is there day after day, moment after moment. He doesn't go throw up His hands and say, I'm done with you, Jordan. I can't do this anymore. Because He's made a permanent, forever, everlasting commitment that he's come and made his home. God's presence resides with me and with you if you put your trust and faith in Jesus, that he teaches us day after day after day, that he is working inside of us, that if we learn how to keep in step with him, we'll grow more and more. And then along the way, he guides us, he corrects us, he comforts us. Would you pray with me? Father God, Lord, I lift up my friends in this room, in the venue, online, that are walking through the worst-case scenario right now. God, that they are, are crying out for your comfort, crying out for your help. Lord, would you please um, help them? Right now, would you walk them through the gospel, walk them through what Jesus has done for them? God, would you even bring your supernatural peace to their hearts? And God, I pray for us that you would help us to learn from you, our daily spiritual teacher. The God, that each day you have um, committed yourself to us, that each day you're willing to teach us and instruct us. And God, I pray that we would be more willing to see you, to see the Holy Spirit as a, a person who is guiding us. God, I want to repent and confess to you the number of times I've just tried to use and manipulate the Holy Spirit as a superpower. I've tried to use it as something that I could control instead of seeing him as a person to get to know and a person to follow and a person to be with. And God, I'm so thankful that you are with us always through the presence and the power of your Holy Spirit, that God, your, your presence, your home is with us. That Jesus, you've, Jesus promised to his disciples, I will come to you, and you have kept that promise through the Holy Spirit. And God, we, um, we don't know the Holy Spirit as well as we should, or as well as we could, as well as we want to. And so I pray, God, that you would help us as we move forward to learn more and more about the Holy Spirit and how we can trust him and walk with him and let him shape and mold us and guide us. God, we love you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your son. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.